going far. We can change the universe by being who we are. And we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. And if all the world knew freedom now, Sexism recover. Don't let racism take cover. Love, love, love all your sisters and brothers. The enemy is arrogance. The enemy is greed. Love and unity is really what the people need. The enemy is arrogance. The enemy is greed. Love and unity is really what the people need.
even build my own school Cause I refuse to be a fool Maybe someplace Somewhere That's cool I'll say cool instead of cool This is the Common Thread Collective going on. We're hanging out at Mutiny Radio. This is Global Val here. Diamond Dave is back. Hey, Dave. I'm back and hanging out with the key. And I've been, uh, I've been back from hanging out at the Rainbow Gathering. I had a beautiful spot in the Rockies. That's all about it, bet. And then hanging out in the college town of Missoula. A, 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 blue, a blue city in a, in a, red, in a red state. With my sister uh, Rain, she's going to be calling at 3:30. We'll be doing some poetry. We'll talk about it all, and life goes on. And hey, Val, uh, so good to be back. Welcome back, Dave. Yeah, you know, every, every year that you go to the Rainbow Gathering, um, you come back a little bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Brown as a berry, <laughs> bright as a button, sharp as a tack, and soon as I got my shower, clean as a whistle. We love that. Um, so yeah, we're back here at the corner of 21st and Florida. If you're out there listening and want to come join us, come on down. We're at 2781 21st Street here in the Mission District, and uh, we'll be rocking here on the Common Thread Collective till about 5:30. So if you want to come down and share your music, your art, your poetry, your activism, um, please do so. And um, we've got already have a couple of friends hanging out here today. We've got Tim Faust, who's going who. Hey, say hey, Tim. Hello, it's so nice to be here. Yeah, welcome. So we're going to be talking with Tim about um, his journey across the states um, as an advocate for uh, single-payer health care, as we all need to be um, well and and well taken care of. I can say, Jack Kerouac with a mission. Appreciate the flattery. <laughs> and we got our friend Bloodflower out Bloodflower, there. So ba- good to see him. Back in action, and he's gonna you could, he's gonna play us a little bit on the piano. Take it away, my friend. Thank you. 
Good to have your back, Blood Flower. We appreciate you playing the piano. And tomorrow, I know you're going to be doing a little little business over there at Little Spot Cafe at 23rd and Folsom between 1 and 4 tomorrow. Uh, so uh, go on out and check out the Little Spot Cafe. It's going to be some music, some poetry, various performance happening there. And uh, thanks to Blood Flower for working with those good folks over there at that little local neighborhood cafe. 23rd and Folsom. So if you're out and about tomorrow afternoon in the Mission District, come on by. Uh, tomorrow is also Bastille Day. Um, the vive la France and la liberté, égalité, société. Um, you know, the day when uh, historically in the French Revolution, uh, there was a storming of the Bastille, uh, which was the prison where a lot of political prisoners um, were being held. Uh, there, and, and in all reality, there weren't that many people actually being held there at the Bastille at that time. Um, but there were a, a small handful of folks who were freed. Um, and it was a, a, a very large kind of turning point in the French Revolution. And so uh, I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge um, all the political prisoners across our country right now who are sitting in, in jail. We're on the um, planet. Um, and, and, and also, um, just, just the struggles of society in general to make sure that, um, you know, th that people can be, um, so, you know, supported and, and, and not have to worry about the basics of, you know, the basic necessities of life just because uh, the wealthy are so greedy uh, that the poor become so poor um, that they have to uh, starve or steal. And um, speaking of basic necessities of life, um, health, health care, Tim, Tim Faust, thanks for coming to join us on the Common Thread Collective today so we can talk about um, your, your mission and journey um, to spread the word, um, Paul Revere style, across <laughs> the country about um, single-payer health care and access to health care in general. So welcome to the show. Thank and, you for having me. And I first started to picture. I first connected with Tim as the headquarters of my political group called the Democratic Socialists. And as Tim was coming and he's passing through the country, talking about health care. Talking about healthcare, I guess getting our, st our sticks together to see what can be done at this point in time, in the time of Trump, when Trump is they're doing the best they can to destroy what was called Obamacare. Am I right so far, Jim? Uh, so far, so, so far, so good. 
And so what's the what's response? Here's California. We're in California, the bluest state. And here in San Francisco, the bluest city and the bluest state. And we better see what we can do to get things together, to make things happen. Have, have, happen. Not only uh, single-payer health single-payer health care, but many other things as well to get on the same page. So, Tim... Tim, what's your take on health care? What what's the message that you're putting forth across the country? What are the seeds that you're planting? All right. Let me see if I can put this uh, uh, pretty briefly. Fundamentally, we ha- we've created this industry, right, the insurance industry. And its job is to take money from you, additional right. money you pay directly to a private company, and cover uh, some portion, but not all, of the Medicare medical need you require, and then uh, uh, profit off the rest. But this, a funny thing happens in insurance, right? By and large, the cost of receiving health care mas- can, can be massive, but not everybody needs health care in a given year. So if an insurer, for example, gets somebody with hemophilia, their care can cost up to a million dollars a year, and then the insurance company make, make, makes less profit. So this big multi-payer kind of like morass of individual insurers trying to either keep sick folks from joining their plans because they're not profitable or do things like cut access to providers or drugs that sick folks need and kind of just pass the buck. Really, the insurance industry's job is to make health care or paying for health care somebody else's problem. So this is a bureaucracy somewhere else. Well, as we speak, with people sitting at desks so trying to figure out that all out. And all that is making, making the maximum amount of money considering the situation that people find themselves in. Mm-hmm. You've got kind of these two jagged rocks, right? One jagged is the fact rocks. that if you're insurer, it's just not profitable to insure sick people. But the other one is if you're a hospital CEO or a equipment manufacturer or pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceutical executive like uh, Martin Shkreli, it can be extremely profitable to charge sick people as much as possible and as late as possible. And so, of course, you get scenarios where, um, for example, like in rural areas or, or red country, local clinics are shut down either because of lack of funds, because hospitals buy them up. So people get care later and later, and thus, you know, they get care when it's more of a crisis and it costs more, and so costs skyrocket. So uh, the, uh, what we want instead uh, is a federal universal single payer. Instead of having a bunch of individual insurers, each kind of trying to find a way to make sick people not their problem, uh, who are powerless to bring down costs against providers that can kind of raise them at, uh, on a whim, for example, and MRI in the U.S. costs five times more the same machine during the same procedure in Australia, like just because they can charge more. A single payer, one, negotiates on behalf of 300 million people nationwide. We wanted to offer all care for all people. That is all care, first dollar coverage, nothing out of pocket um, for all kinds of care, including uh, medical, vision, dental, and long-term care for people with disabilities. Uh, that is free at the point of service and is comprehensive. So uh, right at the moment... Uh, the, the country is a uh, do I have this right? Is a patchwork of insurance companies, very, 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 very uh, attempts to for Obamacare, for instance, another example where you where you buy in and hopefully and uh, Obamacare. But we have Trump who wants to uh, do his best to get rid of all of that. But Obamacare to put us back in the hands of private insurers. Am I right? Right. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, the ACA was fundamentally a big transfer of public money. Do private insurance. That's right. Yes, it was because it was about um, the government subsidizing private insurance premiums for uh, for citizens. Mm-hmm. So if, if if you were had um, if you signed up and you were being you know part of you were part of what was called Obamacare, which ACA, the Affordable Care Act, is is was, was was what it was called. Um, then you, you paid part of your 
private insurance premium and the government would subsidize the rest. So it was this huge mm-hmm. giveaway to the insurance company. So like Obamacare really did have a lot of flaws. However, the one thing that really, really stood out and, and made a big difference was that it made healthcare affordable to people who otherwise were being denied healthcare mm-hmm. based on long-term um, health problems and, and astronomical costs associated with, with right. those Yo, conditions. I, I think there are two fundamental successes to the ACA. One was the definition of things like essential health benefits, like what a minimum insurance plan looks like. And also, secondly, right. was the like uh, normalization of the idea of uh, um, uh, pre-existing conditions, right? The knowledge that like just because you were sick in the past or are likely to need care in the future, it's not like just or fair to let an insurance company bilk you as a result. But really what the ACA did best was the expansion of Medicaid. Uh, we saw in places where Medicaid was expanded, the mortality rate fell uh, to, sorry, incre- the mortality rate fell by 6.1%, and that's 11.1% among communities of color. Because uh, these are people that have been systematically, if not violently, denied access to healthcare in the first place. So even the relatively meager expansion of Medicaid does a heck of a lot to help people get better. But at the end of the day, the ACA was just a billions and billions of dollars transfer private, private companies. Quality of care stagnates uh, for the most vulnerable people. Costs still skyrocket, and I think right now, 31 million people are uninsured. The ACA failed in its pursuit of health justice. That's the thing. And given um, given the insurance to how many people, people were then taken away when they were going, when, uh, when Trump and company were going after the ACA, mm-hmm. people who had insurance who were covered, who thought they were covered, thought they were covered, and at least somewhat found themselves without coverage. Am I right? Um, Yes, we saw a, a 3.1 million people more uninsured this year than last. But 3.1 million. The, yeah. the, uh, the oh, shoot. Kind of the aims of a federal single payer are, are two. One, right, it guarantees all care for all people. There's only one insurer, and that's Medicare. Not Medicare as it exists today, but an improved Medicare that covers all costs. But what I'm really interested in is there's this idea of community health, social yeah, health, population health. Right now, uh, for example, uh, uh, I was in rural South Carolina where folks are building their, uh, their septic systems out of PVC. PVC ruptures, now hookworms back in the state. Or in the Hunters Point shipyard, we've got a 14-year shorter life expectancy than, uh, than in Russian Hill. Uh, there's all these kinds of like long-term, tedious acts of compassionate labor that really drive a difference, but right now nobody's investing them, and nobody ever will. Um, uh, for example, so that's why I like single payer. Right? Single payer is forced to both bear all the costs now of providing care and bear all the costs later of what happens when care isn't provided. Uh, How do we get there? There's an election coming up. There's a... Uh the election company are coming up, which looks to me there's some big changes that are going to be made. Women stepping up. Uh, we had our, our comrade, uh, Democratic Socialist, who was elected in, in, in the Bronx, in the, in the Bronx, and right. Queens. Yeah. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was elected. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. She was elected, um, sorry, she, oh, yeah. she won the primary anyway of, yeah, of New be. York's 14th congressional district, um, oh, which was uh, includes the Bronx where she grew up. But she also won the 15th congressional district as a write-in candidate. What? So she, she she won two at the same time, but she wow. she she you know declined to take the other nomination because obviously she's running for one of them. So uh, so that surprised the bosses, right? Oh yeah, the bosses who thought they were the, he was in his twelfth year, I mean his twelfth election, and he was sure he's going to win. So he discovered this young twenty-eight woman, a twenty-eight-year-old woman, a uh, a Latina father from Puerto Rico, is now the won the primary. And if elected, she'll be the youngest congressperson ever in the Congress. And uh, uh, an open socialist, nonetheless. Which is a member of the Democratic Socialist. I am. 
So who supports Medicare for all, right? right? So, so she would be a good person to take that. Somebody's got to step up and take and take it. I think it will be the woman in the Congress to step up and take that and make that part of the campaign. Uh, put it out, go on speaking to her, go on speaking to her, connect across the country. The Democratic Socialists, uh, the DSA Democratic Socialists of America are beginning to exist in almost every congressional district as people are looking for an alternative. Mm -hmm. And so that can all come together. And in fact, you're speaking on Sunday at the Democratic Socialists, is that right? Yes, sir. And is that an idea which seems to is that uh, the sister Alexandria and other women stepping up, won the primary in a number of districts, they can step up with the, uh, with the idea of single payer and, and at least begin to put it out there so people begin to know and be knowledgeable and know it can apply to them, and it's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed going around the U.S. talking to folks about single-payer, but I actually think that it's, a, it's more than just electing yeah, candidates, right? you gotta, you got to build power. One of the uh, things okay. that I – like you build a, a popular movement for That's the purposes of, of wielding it as power to, to force policy changes. One of the things I like locally, for example, is that the DSA of SF passed Prop F and Prop H, a right to counsel, and removed – it took away – or sorry, it did not permit cops uh, without supervision to get tasers with, with, with public money, which I think are two good wins. If, uh, I'm from Texas, and in Texas we see a, a sudden upstart in campaigns to guarantee paid sick leave in cities across Texas. Hmm. Paid sick leave is a pretty small scrap on the table, but it makes a huge difference if you don't have it. And yeah. so, the, uh, for example, the petition drive in San Antonio, which by and large is a non-voting city to get uh, paid sick, they turned in 144,000 signatures, which is about half of total voter turnout in 2014 and is the largest by far popular movement uh, uh, in San Antonio in years, if not decades. See, there's this idea uh, that I think is, is pretty common among the socialist model that if you give somebody something, they will fight to protect it. And they'll fight with you to get the next big thing. I don't think we'll pass single payer just by hoping that our Senate and House candidates are no, good enough. No, I think no. we win by forcing them to respect the power of the popular force, which demands health justice. Uh -huh. And but, uh, but we're beginning to see for the first time, mm -hmm. the, and it will be in the next election in November, we're going to be seeing some changes being made, some people stepping up, women in many cases, stepping up and uh, with, with, with such, a, uh, such a planks in mind, such an idea, putting it out there. Mm -hmm. What are the things? Uh, just a second. And you talk about sick leave, that's now being circulated in San Francisco uh, by the same folks, DSA, and, uh, and I think you're right, based on the victories, the victories in the last election, that based on the victories, people believe it could be done. They're signing petitions. It'll be on the ballot. And there you go, another step along the way. It's pretty amazing, this novel idea that if you give people things that are material, they'll fight to have them. Uh, it's an idea that the Dems apparently have forgotten entirely for the past 20 years by pre-conceding uh, all their losses. But there's there, there's one thing inside inside single pair that I really want to talk oh, about. I love this guy. That I think go is ahead. interesting. Um, so... The reason I want a federal universal single payer, and I think I think it's important to all of us, is one, it bears the costs of you receiving care right now, and two, it is it bears the costs of what happened if you don't receive care in the future. Right now, your individual insurance company, like you're probably going to change insurers every two or three years, so they don't really care about investing in long-term health, but a single payer is forced to. And so, for example, if your population is suffering because they don't have housing, or the housing is unsafe, full of pollution, full of mold, then housing becomes a form of health care, mm. and a single payer is forced to provide free or affordable housing to bring health care. Wow. Them. 
And, uh, and also this uh, begins to heal a system. It's, it is, heal it is, a system. It is, it is our first counterattack in a war that is already Beautiful. being waged against us. Right, right now, uh, uh, in 2014, private insurance forced 20 million people into poverty or from poverty to extreme poverty. Uh, and at, at, at the same time that this happens, men who are born in the top fifth of Americans get to live 15 years longer than men born in the poorest. But this is this is an act of war. They are they are killing us and robbing our oh. bodies to foot the bill. Uh, if also alongside housing, things like food. If your population is suffering and dying because they don't have access to healthy food to eat, it's not profitable to sell a poor person vegetables, then providing free food options and the time, space, and materials with which you prepare them becomes a form of health care. That's how you so the vision, the vision you're putting out there is that when you say um, health care for all, we're, we're not just speaking of... Uh, of going to the doctor, not going to the doctor, paying for the doctor, but we're also talking about a variety of alternative alternative right. medicines, which can maybe based uh, which include like housing, include all these things. And I also see how about the possibility that as this is getting closer and closer, and the movement is building, these petitions are going around, and it, and in colleges today, there's a whole group of young people, millennials, young people. Millennials, who because of uh, kind of bureaucracy, will be needed for single pre- pair, pair, for single player and these other things, and we might as well have a good good bureaucracy. Uh, people are dedicated for change, dedicated to help make change, dedicated to bring the information they get from a college to affect that change, and so a new community will coming up, and a new generation will come up who will dedicate their lives to making this kind of things real and for happen. You see? Absolutely, that's my hope too. You know, it kind of makes me think of Cuba. Um, I went to Cuba in 2010. I was a research delegate, and we visited um, universities. We visited organic wow. farming collectives. We visited uh, medical facilities and talked with doctors about their medical system in Cuba. Now, of course, you have Cuba where it's you know politically you you have you have no political freedoms per se. However, everyone there is educated and gets to go to the doctor. So, like you were talking about community health, um, the Cuban healthcare system basically has like three uh, to four tiers. It's like the the local, there's, there's a, a clinic in each, you know, kind of local um, town or, or area, and then people get to go there anytime they need to. And then it kind of escalates up from there. If there's something more serious, then they're referred out to the hospital. The hospital tries to avoid having to have surgery, you know, like Americans, you go to an orthopedist, and you're like, oh, my, my hip hurts. And they're like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's schedule you in for next month. They're like, wait, mm-hmm. can we like talk about this? What about like all these different options? So they have the system that's built upon community health being ele- elevated as needed, um, trying to heal the person with a lot of alternative medicines and not just like weird, like, you know, people might consider a lot of alternative medicines ineffectual, but they're actually manufacturing a lot of their own medications yeah. based on the, you know, the, the chemical mm, recipes, if you will, of, of proven um, pharmaceutical drugs, um, but they're using natural um, natural ingredients, so things from plants and flowers sources. Um, organic, it's organic. And then also, if, if they have to do surgery or if, they, if you have to have some sort of long-term care, you can do that, and then they let people rehabilitate in these facilities where they do a lot of kind of alternative treatments. They'll do like light... Um, you know, like meridian work and like uh, light treatments and and like all all sorts of, you know, kind of wellness. Um, So it goes all the way from preventative care to um, recovery. And it's all 
free mm-hmm. and it's a very poor country but um but it, it's you know i i take inspiration from that because why aren't there are clinics around the country that are doing those very same things, making it accessible for people to get get the care that they need when they need it. It's because it's a high margin. Sorry, low low margin and high volume. That's not, right. This is, also, this is a big business. Well, it's, it's such a such a happening that Cuba is able to export mm-hmm. doctors Indeed. to other places as well. I like I just read yesterday before that 100 Cuban doctors have gone to Kenya. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Kennedys are not sure what this means or what to do about it, but they are going. Mm-hmm. So we see this spreading, and we see that if we have this change that we need, the change that we need to end of Trump, we'll be able to connect and reconnect, and a whole new, uh, a whole new world will be, be busy being born. And like you were saying, Tim, kind of like applying that to our democratic society, which is very unlike Cuba, <laughs> but the fact that communities can get together and um, and demand changes and build these movements from the ground up. Right, right now, if you get mad about your health care, who are you going to fight? Uh, Aetna? Uh, Anthem? No, you can't do anything about that. Nothing, just like you can't do anything about Jeff Bezos or Amazon. But uh, uh, mandating democratic accountability into a healthcare model, I think, is a fundamental and obviously good step. You touched on something else that I thought was interesting, Val, okay. which is uh, about um, diagnoses and, and, and diagnostic work in primary care. Right now, if you like, were to draw a graph of uh, doctor salaries, it looks like the rest of the U.S. You've got a 1% that makes hundreds of, or makes millions and millions of dollars, and then a bunch of folks who work in, for example, oh, yeah. community health or rural health who are barely getting paid. I met a doctor outside Lexington, Kentucky, a 67-year-old woman who's afraid to retire because no one can afford to go be a primary care doctor outside Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and so there's a parallel fight, I think, to single payer and kind of like this broad universe of health justice, which is making medical training free or offering debt relief. Right now, only like, uh, uh, I think four-fifths of uh, people in med school come from the top income quintile, and you can't build a just world when only the the children of doctors can afford to become doctors themselves. And you can't uh, saddle somebody with $300,000 in debt and say, go be a doctor. Of course, they're going to go for the higher paying jobs. They got to pay off that debt. We've we've done this strange thing where then if somebody does become a primary care doctor, you only get paid per diagnosis. You don't get paid for uh, consulting time or non-diagnostic things. So you've got to build an assembly line basically, where you, a doctor sees a patient for 50 minutes per person. Sometimes a, a person can't even get on the bed in that amount of time, but they got to do it because they're only getting paid per diagnosis. And if you're getting paid per diagnosis, getting paid uh, uh, for a thing that leads to a surgery, you become uh, subconsciously uh, interested in making sure somebody gets a, a, a thing you can bill for, right? right? We understand from studies that have happened every five years for the past 40 years that we constantly discover that when a doctor introduces watchful waiting into a patient's informed consent for surgery, the rate of surgical rate, uh, the surgical rate, drops. A lot of folks don't want to get surgery. They just do what their doctor tells them to do. Right. Uh, but if, if you if you build this patient advocate model, which has worked across the U.S., where you just tell folks what the risks and costs are of either getting surgery now, getting surgery later, just watching to see what happens, by and large, folks uh, pick the cheapest, less profitable, uh, watchful waiting condition. It's more humane. Well, I got on the, on the plane in Missoula to come back to San Francisco. I'm home. The, the third said, where's your seat? Can I see your ticket? And she said, come with me. And there sitting in the back was a, what I could see was a very special young woman. And she smiled at my approach. She said, sit down. And uh, it turns out, I said, well, what do you do? She said, I'm a doctor. It turns out she's an OBGYN. And we talked about all of that. An OBGYN uh, in, in Texas. She mentioned Texas. In Austin. And we had a great conversation 
about what great coverage about what was happening and the role she saw doctors playing and this whole idea of alternative me uh, medicine and the idea that, uh, yes, uh, a woman should have uh, responsibility for her own body, uh, her own body, not, uh, not someone else, not uh, making that illegal, whatever, her own body, but also that would also include the kind of alternative medicine you're talking about where people don't have to leave leave the abortion, uh, the abortion um, facility feeling bad, not sure what to do, because somebody very close to me that happened to but I can, and I can see this OBGYN, she's 28 years old, uh, and this is what she was about, and part of this new wave of doctors. Uh, doctor, she said, I asked her in a medical school, which, which was in North Carolina, uh, what was the percentage of women in a medical school graduating? She told me it was over 50%. Mm -hmm. So something's going on here. I mean, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, a woman doctor was very rare. Oh, you're a doctor, what? But now things are changing. The revolution is in the air in a bit. And, and of course, these young doctors, over 50,000 women, are not as they used to be. Part of the, used to be, where money was the key. One of the most fierce fighters against what was, the first was called socialized medicine. It was under Truman, I remember. And the AMA, the American Medical Association, were totally fighting. They were totally devoted. They spent millions of dollars to try to destroy that because all they could think of was private medical care. But hopefully, Tim, what you say, and you've told me that you've been traveling in 43 states putting this out. Is that right? 34, but yeah. Yeah, but not only are you putting it out, but you're also taking in uh, what's happening in the states where you stop. People are telling you what, what they're doing, what we're doing, and how it could connect. And so you're putting it out, but you're taking it in, and you have more and more idea of what can be done and what's going on now. Is that Jim? That's absolutely correct right like a, a lot of my like my, my daily routine when I'm on the road is I wake up I drive six hours someplace give a talk drink a beer and crash on someone's couch and like within 30 minutes that person shares with me the worst thing that's ever happened to them right like this is there's a mass immiseration of people in this country but we've made immiseration a, a wow subversive act well it, it is it is this is not the sin of omission this is sin of commission we are forcing people to, to suffer and then punishing them for suffering well don't say we sorry that's the first step people say we when they mean those other people we i didn't do it you didn't do it she didn't do it so there's a, the we are the people in power and that's not us right. i guess the we i do care about is those to whom i you know I, I, I witness suffering, right? My and and we're the ones who have to get together. This we, the we we be, get together to make some changes. Right, right. And well. also, I imagine when you're traveling, are you also meeting people you will be, men who are involved, uh, themselves involved, uh, uh, involved in trying to make changes. They've invited you, they're giving you a place to crash. And many of them are probably, could be young doctors, young nurses. The American Nursing Association, the Nurses Union, is one of the most progressive, radical unions around. Without doubt. They supported Bernie to the hill. They came around, I remember when uh, Bernie was speaking in Oakland, a huge crowd where Occupy was. And the bus came through, Nurses Association, the nurses, their bus traveling around. So things are happening, Tim, no doubt in my mind. And you're playing a big role and helping make it happen. I said jokingly, you're kind of the, 
the the Jack Kerouac of single payer health fair. You're welcome to that. I'm on the road. On the road. So yeah. you're going to be speaking here in San Francisco. Where uh, wh- is that at a DSA event or? It's open to the public. It's open to the public. It's uh, 2 p.m. at the Redstone Building, which I believe is on 16th and. Uh, 16th. 16th or something. It's on 16th and Cap. That's right. 16th but is it, but you are sponsored by DSA. They're I'm, playing, playing I'm, some role. Yeah, they're the they're they're hosting the event. That's what I mean. We're, I'm speaking alongside Green Action because I one thing wow. I really want to learn about is like the depth of the brutality uh, in Hunters Point Shipyard. Oh, terrible! So we have a speaker have coming uh, to talk about that as well. So yeah, it's it's, oh, that's it's Christine. Yeah, it is uh, uh, 2 p.m. this Sunday at um, yeah. 2926 16th Street, the Redstone. Yeah, you can't miss it. That was where, where during the great general strike here, that was headquarters. Uh, that was headquarters. It was a historical building. There's some talk about tearing it down and building condos, but it's another struggle we need to be part of. And here, uh, here uh, Tim, uh, here, with, uh, here with my sister Val, we, we become a voice. There's all of these various struggles going on, and we're a voice of that. And so I'm so glad you're here, and how it's all connected, and we're we're to say how it's all connected, and to put out these, uh, put out these, uh, put out this uh, mutiny radio with a common thread collective, and that's after these four lines that came to me: cast the wide net, find the common thread, let the life flourish, and then don't panic, just keep it organic. So the common thread is what we put out. We voice for all of this and how they're all connected. So what do you do when you're awake? You're coming here. You're speaking Sunday. Redstone, a good place. And you're speaking Sunday. Do you hope that uh, folks will then there'll then be some kind of group coming together here uh, to help put together a single payer to help be an action group to get out there and think of things on the ballot and do whatever we need. Hmm. I. Uh I'm really encouraged by groups like DSA San Francisco who have decided to, and I think this is the correct choice, fight for even incremental material and redistributive reform at home, right? How are you going to build up popular movement when folks don't have the time to organize or don't have the, uh, don't have the space to, the, like, to be themselves first, right? And so I'm really, really heartened by this tendency I'm seeing of uh, organizations picking local battles and winning them because nothing is scarier to the, uh, uh, to, uh, me. the, uh, uh, the administration me. or, or, or the, the status quo than a leftist group that calls their shot and succeeds. Uh, and so I'm really, really proud. I'm honored to be part of a DSA SF event. I'm, uh, I've been really... Uh, I, I miss the city so much, and I'm really happy to watch people um, make it more to the city it deserves to be, as opposed to the city that it is now. Well, well welcome DSA, back. I see it. I'm a member. And I see it differs from the usual leftist group is that it, it, it emerges too. Emerging, we're not, we're not a vanguard. We don't have a particular ideology, which we like people to do. But let's let the politics emerge from our practice. Mm-hmm. It's called practice. Practice may not be perfect. But it, but it just might help. So, Tim, do you, do you also uh, write about all of this, or have yeah, you been it. working on any any sort of uh, you know project to kind of collect some of these you know things that have happened to you along your journey? Oh, that's Dave's phone in the background. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Dave. Yeah, uh, I'm, I have a book that comes out next year. I haven't written it yet, but at some point I will write it. Um, yeah, I've I've been kind of collecting this little. It's not, you know, it's it's not adequate to just concoctinate a, a, a litany of human pain, right? I, I don't want to pornographize the suffering of others. Suffering. Yeah, no. But actually, I want to talk to you, too, because I'm writing a book about my experience with Healthy San Francisco. 
So Absolutely. We should connect up, we'll uh, you know, at some point. Um, how long are you going to be in town, or where, where where are you off to next after the after the Sunday um, uh, talk at the Redstone Building? Well, today I'm talking in uh, in Oakland. I'm talking at the Neville Proctor Marxist Library on Telegraph at 6:30 p.m. today. Tomorrow I'm talking in Sunnyvale. Um, the DSA Silicon Valley is having a meeting I'm going to speak at. Sunday I'm here, uh, uh, where my, my, where I really want to be. And then on that Monday I go to Sacramento, Sacramento to Corvallis, Eugene, Portland. Uh, Olympia Tacoma and Seattle. Wow, you're on a on the move. More of a Paul Revere kind of yeah, thing yeah, going yeah, on, yeah, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> letting letting people know about uh, federal universal single payer health care for all, um, and how we need to do it and, and demand it um, in our communities and and bring that up to um, and, and just raise that movement up and, and let that let the snowball build. Mm-hmm. Well. This is- the snowball build, what a good image, because that's exactly it. And you are. And is a there a review of Jack Kerouac of uh, single payer learning along the way? And uh, and it seems like you're pretty freewheeling and free spirited too, is that right? I, I, uh, yeah, this is this is how I have fun. This okay, well, the I this is how we have fun. <laughs> it's a big, beautiful country full of pain, and I love it very much, and I'm very mad at it. <laughs> complex um is there a way that people can get in touch with you in case they would like you to come through and and speak in their community sure i've got a twitter account it's krulge c-r-u-l-g-e i just picked a name that was free i've got a newsletter where i write a lot a lot of things i've seen in the road and papers that i like reading it's a tinyletter.com slash error i'm really bad at branding myself um and then i've got an email address on my twitter account people have questions i usually reply within two to five weeks uh, uh, and I'm happy to answer any question, big or small, or just hear a story. A lot of people have reached out with their own personal testimonies, and that means, I mean, I'm, I'm honored that people would be that willing with me, and I try to pay it forward. So, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. That's cool. Tell me your your Twitter thing again. Uh, Krulge, C-R-U-L-G-E. It's a that, nonsense that's, word. That's what, I thought, that's what I thought you said. I spilled it out. Okay, cool. And what I see, too, that's what I is connect to the young doctors, young nurses coming through the nurses' union, certainly one of the most progressive union, most interested, and definitely supports the very thing you support. Is that right? Yeah, by and large, absolutely. If you're if you're a provider, you often have to choose between giving somebody the care they need and but uh, can't afford, or giving somebody the care they can't afford that's not that insufficient. And that's uh, I think coercion. That's a uh, financial toxicity. Doctors are being coerced into harming their patients. Well, well, look, as we come in. Yeah, uh, we have what, another call coming. What? We do have a call coming in, and actually, it just dropped. Um, so she's got a call back. But along those lines, um, the United States being one of the only countries in the entire world that allows doctors to um, profit from directly profit from their prescriptions mm-hmm. that they give to people. So, like, when next time you go to your doctor, you know, if if they're offering you some sort of medication, and you're like, why do I need to have that medication? Well, it's actually something that individual doctors can profit from. It's 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 almost like it's a, it's it's like it's like a sales job. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they get kickbacks from from pharmaceutical companies, and so I'm not encouraging people to you know not take medicine that they need, but also to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. It's like if there's something that you 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 want to question, you know, get a second opinion mm-hmm. because. Um, you know, maybe you don't need to take 10 different kinds of medications. And I see this a lot with our, with our, um, you know, senior and elderly community where you have people who end up and they're, they're taking like 
12 different kinds of pills and I'm like really I mean to me obviously I'm I'm not a doctor (laughs) I will say as a disclaimer but to me that seems excessive and um, you know it's often in a population that does come from a generation that's more willing to trust Mm -hmm. what the doctors will say and just kind of follow along so um, you know keeping your 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 mind open your eyes open and uh, getting the second opinion when you need it and getting together with other people and you might hear some really sad stories like you have, Tim, um, but uh, trying to, you know, kind of weed out, um, you know, some of those kinks that, that, that people, you know, have shared experiences with and uh, looking at how we can make it better. Well, um, well just on the way over here, I just heard in the, in the east of New England there's a great talk about the opium epidemic. How many of you prescribe opium? But the state legislature... I believe Connecticut has just passed a law. It's going to the governor, just passed a law though, that if, uh, if opiates is what you're getting, that you have a right to change it to medical marijuana. So your opiate could be out and your marijuana, medical marijuana can be in. That's a new law. That sounds like a move in the right direction. A move in the right direction. Absolutely. For sure. As a person who was taking both, oh, because of my, oh, oh. Hey, Tim. So glad to stick around. We're going to have some interesting poetry. So it's so glad to see you. See you. Yeah. Shake my hand. Happy to be here. Thank and you I'll so be much. It's Sunday at 2 o'clock in the Redstone. That's absolutely correct, yes. I'll be there. All right. 2 p.m. All right. Very cool. Thanks for carrying the torch. Carrying the torch. So. Damn. Any, <laughs> any last things you'd like to say before you get out there and say, oh, I should have said this or that? Yeah, I'll make this quick. Uh, there's always a question of how do we afford single payer, and the answer is we can't afford not to. There are no cost controls uh, on healthcare costs in the U.S. And they increase every year faster than inflation. What a single payer does first and foremost is give us the bargaining power to bring costs down and spend the money that we spend on taking care of more people long term. We can't afford not to do it. And some big changes in terms of big changes needed uh, in terms of millions and millions and millions that's being spent in Afghanistan. Uh, some people will, people be killing one another. Or in, or in Iraq, figure out another way to do that, which will be much cheaper, and then, then some more money will be available. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and there'd be Thanks less there. opium in the country. Oh, yeah, the opium. The, it's the greatest op- opium, cra- opium cra- crop in history now in Afghanistan. Shoot. Uh, it's just, uh, hey, so Tim, thanks for coming by. And Rain. My, my, my sister Rain is calling in, and we're going to be talking poetry. Dave, Val, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, folks, right here, you're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm. We are streaming around the planet on that uh, station there. And you can, of course, also download and listen to our free podcasts um, if you go to MutinyRadio.fm and check out our podcast archive. We are the Common Thread Collective. And you click there, and we've got uh, all the dates of our shows. Um, scroll down towards the bottom are the newer ones. Uh, you can also get our show for free, free as a free podcast on iTunes. So thanks for tuning in. And here's a little music for you from the Troublemakers Union. Trouble 
Folks, you are listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm. We're just looking. We're just looking out for the good around here. Um, and one of the ways that you could get involved in, uh, well, in this massive movement across the country uh, to counteract uh, the presidential administration's um, mandate to. Uh, practice of separating families at the border, which they say they're backing away from, but actually um, the executive order that he signed um, didn't say anything about reuniting the families that have already been separated and have also uh, wants to change the designation of uh, crossing the border from a civil um, to a criminal offense. So um, we're definitely moving in the wrong, they are definitely moving in the wrong direction. Um, but uh, people across this country and around the world are coming together to say, no, you cannot continue to separate families and you need to reunite these families and try to you know, make up for some of the horrendous uh, trauma that has already um, happened because of the uh, detention of of uh, immigrants and migrants who are trying to enter the United States. Uh, many of whom are actually showing up at the points of entry asking for asylum, which is not a crime. Um, that is an international uh, recognition that asylum may be sought. Um, and so tonight here in San Francisco and also across the country, um, people are going to be gathering at the, um, the ice, uh, building here in San Francisco. It's at six thirty Sansom S A N S O M E, uh, six thirty Sansom street. That's right. Downtown kind of, kind of near the trans America building, um, just East of there, a couple of blocks. And so, uh, occupy ice, um, had an encampment there for about a week, um, about the first week of July, and effectively blocked um, all deportation processes in Northern California for those for that week that they were there. And then on Sunday night, the SFPD came out and raided the camp and effectively um, tore it down and arrested several people. Um, they have all been released at this point, um, from what I understand. Uh, but tonight. Uh, back at the ICE headquarters, 6.30 Sansom, from 7 to 10, there's going to be a rally and then also a vigil. Um, and the vigil is, is something that's happening across the country. Uh, and also kind of the announcing or the movement uh, to abolish ICE entirely, um, which we have to remember, ICE has only been around since um, since the George W. Bush administration uh, changed the um, changed it from the INS, which is the Immigration and Naturalization um, services, um, and then created ICE, uh, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. And so um, we definitely need to be vigilant and uh, continue to press for um, transparency in the process and also a reunification of families who've already been separated and the humane treatment of everybody involved and hopefully the cooperation of the San Francisco police department to, um, you know, acknowledge the, uh, freedom, uh, of the first amendment, which is one of them being the freedom to assemble peaceably, um, and ask for a redress of grievances from the government. Ergo, um, go on out to the, to, uh, the ICE building tonight um, from 7 to 10. The vigil starts at 9 o'clock, and you'll be joining a, a national movement. 
Yeah, Dave. Well, call me in. I'll be over, and then we can also weave that together like we like to be a voice of and invite them to come down and join us here next Friday, or the Friday after, right? Or whenever you want to do it. It can be next Friday, the that's, Friday after. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so here we are. It's the second Friday in July. We're going to be doing the Common Thread Collective this summer on the second and the fourth Fridays of the month. So uh, we will not have a show next Friday, but we will be back um, in action live here at Mutiny Radio on Friday, July 27th. And that's, 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 where, that's where we are. That's where we are. And when time will tell, and people will be invited to come join us in a couple of weeks, to beg, and we go back and forth, we become a voice. A voice. We want to be, become a voice. No, no one else is really doing it like we are. A voice for all of this. And that's the common thread. What is that? And I know if we go there for the vigil, there's probably going to be a, a medical facility. Uh, people are there in case anything happens, and they could be invited come and come and talk here. I was invited to Occupy from beginning to end. And so we had uh, the nurses supplied a do- uh, doctor's, uh, doctor's tent, the food, food for the body, mind, and the spirit. And so Occupy was in many ways kind of a model of what we're talking about with single payer. Because if you were part of Occupy, you had a single payer, at least there, who was looking to see what you need and lending a hand. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. And then, oh, one, yeah. I mean, one of the things, one of the kind of major issues that was... Um, you know, talked about during the days of Occupy was the fact that the Supreme Court had made their decision in the Citizens United case, which was allowing for basically kind of allowing um, corporations to donate as much money as they possibly can in some way, shape or form to uh, political campaigns um, and permitting all. I mean, we are, there was already corruption and money in politics, but that that decision um open the floodgates um, for that. So we see it play out time and again and again of um, moneyed interests like private prison um, industries like Geo Group, uh, like pharmaceutical um, industries um, who are continually to pour money into um, the campaign uh, coffers of people who are running for office locally and nationally um, and corrupting a, a system that, you know, it's supposed to function for the for the normal everyday person who happens to be a citizen of the United States. Um, so, it's um, it, I think it's fitting that Occupy has regrouped um, to uh, come up against these practices of ICE um, because it certainly is a multi-billion-dollar industry of private prison complexes where these um, uh, people who have committed no crime are being detained like prisoners. And so um, it's all, it all ties in. And so um, we're trying to move forward as, as well as we can uh, to, to open up and, and paint that bigger picture and uh, you know, let people know what's going on so that we can um, have all these interconnected uh, solutions uh, come, come, come to fruition. So let me play a little more music. And then I think our friend Rain is going to be calling in from Missoula in just a couple minutes. From Texas. Far from Texas. Could not get more far out without swimming the Pacific to Red China, halfway back to Black Africa, past India, getting over England and France. Because she sees California. Seek something, new thing, freedom dreams, 
at least one brother, teacher, lover, hater, unhealthy, got she scared to death, almost. She tried and tried and got tired of it, tired of egotistical bull inside a human movement, sick and tired of egotistical bull inside a human movement. to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. We're in the Mission District of San Francisco, and it's a fine Friday here. Friday the 13th, July, middle of summer. Things are heating up. And we know that our, our next uh, guest here, performer John Rodano, is, uh, is no stranger to direct action, uh, for social justice and also the the art um, that gets put into the movement um, in the form of music. So, John, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Always good to have you. And you got your guitar and you got your microphone set up. So I think so. Take it away, my friend. Whatever you got going on. All right. Well, uh, 
my wife Vicki Leitner wrote another song yeah, um, and she's a, she's a political political creature and she's also very depressed about stuff so she tends to uh, you know for self-medication get it out in writing and uh, this particular song was uh, inspired by Melania, Melania Trump and it's kind of strange and a little bit different than her normal writing um, but she's going through some changes and it, it's not menopause not, right. not those kinds of changes, <laughs> just um, just like Ozzy Osbourne changes. Yeah. Right? So, uh, so this is uh, this is an interesting <laughs> twist with the way she does the the lyrics on this, and we'll see how you like it.
is clear to you and to me the health and wealth and love for each and every one that's what democracy should be Sad, very bigly bully. Goodbye. Bye bye. Big bully. Bye bye. Bye. Be best. Be best. Bye bye. Bye bye. Be best. Beautiful. That was happening. Give us another, and then right. this other. A couple this more. One, uh, this one I'm it's doing like... for Dave over here. It's a Bob Dylan song, and I know uh, Dave was just not just likes Bob Dylan was was a personal friend. So I'm gonna try uh, watching the river flow, and that was uh, watching the river flow. That was the first uh, the first uh, production that Bob Dylan did with Leon Russell. So yeah, that's the one. And so I like, there's a hundred versions out there because everybody does it and even Bob Dylan did a whole bunch, but I like the first one the best. Leon produced it and did some beautiful piano work in it and stuff and it's a cool, just a cool song. What's the matter with me? I don't have much to say. Walking to and fro beneath the moon. Sunlight's sleeping through the windows. And I'm all in this last saloon. If I had. What's the matter with me? I don't have much to say. Walking, so I'm like sneaking through the windows. There we go. And I'm still in this all night cafe. I'm walking to and fro beneath the moon. Out to where the trucks are rolling slow. And I sit here on this bank of Back in the city Instead of this old bank of sand 
daylight beating on the chimney tops. The one I love so close at hand. If I had wings. Everything, yeah, makes you stop and wonder why. Why only yesterday I saw someone on the street who couldn't help but cry. But this old river keeps on rolling, though. No matter what gets in the way, which way the wind is blowing, I'll just sit on the sand and watch the river. Stop and read a book. Why only yesterday I saw someone on the street that was really shook. This old river keeps on rolling, though. No matter what gets the way, which way the winds blow, and as long as it does, I'll just sit here and watch the river. Right on, John. I could probably do one more. Okay, this one, uh, it's kind of one of my signature songs here. This one's called Mr. San Francisco. Mr. San Francisco. Packing up my bags, it's set for moving day. Gotta go and find me a cheaper place to stay. You know the rents they keep on rising. It's more than I could pay. Well, I might be better off if I just move across the bay. Well, so I'm checking out the Craigslist, nothing's coming up. I go to get some coffee, it's three bucks a cup. The deli on the corner is now a salamander. For a buck I get a pickle and a really cold-hearted stare. Well, San Francisco's moving out. 
Manhattan's moving in. You can hardly tell the difference if you're looking from a rent. If you want to understand it, you got to read some Howard Zinn. Cause the working poor are moving out. And big money's moving in. Well, I'm Mr. San Francisco and I don't want to leave. I can't beat the magic of Mayor Lee Sleeve. So much money in the city, you never believe. Alley artists and musicians getting scattered all around. The teachers get the message, there's no place for them in town. And the tourists want to see the painted ladies, not just houses in the old Fillmore. But the color in the city just ain't gonna be here no more. Now there's building all these condos, they're blotting out the sky. But none of them are built for me, there's nothing I can buy. Just a bunch of stacked up boxes, tippy-tappy, and they all look the same. Move over, Nostradamus. Melvina has much better aim. That's Melvina Reynolds, right? We all know her. Little boxes. Now, whatever happened to the power of the vote? All these changes being made by the biggest bank note. So I went to City Hall to see if I can get me some kind of break. But they're having a big old party. And they gave me a piece of cake. Well, there's so much construction, they're building day and night. And all the backroom deals will never see the light. And they say if they keep building, they'll be housing for one and all. It's about the biggest scam that they ever cooked up in City Hall. Well, I'm Mr. San Francisco and I don't want just hanging on. Try to tell my story to the gate and the cron. They act like I'm just talking about some dirty strap-on. I never know what it means until you finally go to miss that special piece you left back in San Francisco. Just another little piece of my heart. And it really ain't so well hid. I'm gonna come back to visit Just like Mr. Tony Well, we used to be a city of love with flowers in our hair But now the blue recycle bin's the only way we share Will it take another earthquake To get us all back together? Joe DiMaggio in that soup line They made us feel a whole lot better Got through the darkest days of murder, buried milk, and the mayor couldn't stop the Kool-Aid killer, 900 lost in prayer. And if you eat a Twinkie, you know the craziness just won't stop. And they're demonstrating on the corner, and my wife's giving flowers to a cop. I'm Mr. San Francisco and I don't want to leave, I can't beat the magic of Mayor money in the city you never believe 
right. From Chinatown to the Mission, Richmond and Hunter's Point, everybody sits together when they go to Timey's Joint. But there's a dark side to the city as a class it into two. Need a bigger room in a North Beach saloon to wash away our troubles with the blues. got this rainbow of love from Castro to the fairies. We won the Super Bowl. We won the World Series. And we partied all night in the street and went home happy for our glory and our fame. But too many had no home to go to. And that's our city's biggest shame. Yeah, Thank you John. Very much. John. That was a fun one. I like all the references to San Francisco. Beautiful. It was San Francisco, as I was saying, when I first landed, where having heard that something was happening in San Francisco, and then the North Beach, Sea Lights Bookstore, and the year was 1957. Oh, my goodness. But I'm still here now. In some ways, Val, I'm the last beatnik. Well, um, Ed, John, I was going to say, do you have any events coming up? I know that you uh, do participate in a, in a lot of different things. Uh, yeah, there's a, a handful of things going on. Uh, for myself, personally, uh, I'm performing at the Marsh Theater on the 23rd. It'll be part two of my Songs for Justice series at the Marsh. That's on the 23rd, if anyone's interested. And I'm featured at the International on September 7th. And uh, a big thing I'm working on right now is for the San Francisco Living Wage Coalition. We're having our annual awards dinner uh, on Friday the 20th, about a week from now. Um, and that's a, that's a real big deal for us. And if anybody's interested in supporting us, we'd really appreciate that. One of the campaigns that we're working on is uh, the Minimum Compensation Ordinance, which is a, a, a law that's been on the books for a while that pertains to, like, home care workers and some of the air workers that if people contract these people to work for them, they have to pay above minimum wage. And uh, that's been lapsed for the last few years, and actually as of July 1st, they're getting paid less than minimum wage. So we did get, uh, at the last minute, we got some okays from a, a London breed that she's interested in, we'll do this and maybe phase it in. Um, so that's uh, that's a program we've been working on for the last year and a half and it looks like we're going to get get it but a little drawn out instead of getting 1686 starting august 1st which is what we're shooting for it's going to be phased in it'll take you know about a year to get it all in but uh it's a crisis because a lot of the home care workers cannot afford to live in the city and they cannot afford to commute to the city so if they live in stockton they make better money working for starbucks but as they leave, the handicapped people who need the home care workers, they don't get the kind of care that they get. So they got some home care workers that are working 16, 20 hours to help cover that gap. But that's not quality care, and people are actually dying early because of it. So it's kind of a crisis, which is, the you know, I don't want to – it 
took a lot of work to push Malia Cohen and, uh, and uh, London Breed into this, and I don't want to mess it up, but it's a crisis. We, they, we, they, you know, it's a crisis going on. So that, that's the kind of thing we're working on. That's excellent. Thank you so much for bringing that to to us here, um, so that we can uh, continue to build this, you know, this 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 tapestry of the Common Thread Collective, where you know we see, um, you know, not only uh, interconnected uh, crises, but also interconnected solutions and people who are willing to jump in, like yourself and like some of our local representatives who are working with with the SF Wage right. Coalition. And ju- just so you know, those home care workers, it's in the thousands. There's about eight or nine thousand of them that are affected by this so it's it's thousands of people well thank you thank you and the thousands of workers are helping thousands of uh of people who really need that that help right we're all in it together that's right so from the cradle to the grave is that a song Loving, loving to learn. <laughs> Thank you, John and Danielle. We appreciate you and your wife Vicky for her her um, her lyric lyrical work. <laughs> and he, yeah, she's and got a couple more, but I haven't done the music to them yet. So. All right. Well, Thank thanks, Vicky. And here be my Ellison, the library lady, who comes in faithfully to let us know what's happening from that perspective. Ellison, what's going on? Well, um, okay, so Mission Branch Book Club took a little bit of a hiatus. We did meet at Adobe Books in June. Thank you, Adobe Books on 24th Street, a collective also. And they let us meet there. Perfect. Very cozy. And we had a wonderful, tight discussion of a very nice book. And now we're moving into fall, so I'm taking a break. However... In October, we will be reading the One City, One Book. Uh, a lot of people know about it. It's been around for several years. The library invites everyone to read, come to programs, perhaps hear the author. It is almost always a local author. And this year in October... This year in October, we are featuring an illustrated memoir... It's called The Best We Could Do by T. Okay, excuse me, Miss Author, if you're listening, I have not heard anyone say your name, and I'm just going to make it rhyme T. Bui. She, her family was originally from, from Asia, came to America, and that's what the memoir is about. So it's called The Best We Could Do, an illustrated memoir. A graphic novel. The author describes her experiences as a young Vietnamese immigrant, highlighting her family's move from their war-torn home to the United States in graphic novel format. Wow. Oh, that sounds so good. Can't you get us, when, when there's a book, couldn't you get one to bring it here so we can look at it, maybe even try to find the author? I think that's a great idea. Well, she she is from it. the Bay, I believe she lives in the Bay Area now. Um, I'll be gone for several, well, I won't be here for several weeks, but when I come back, um, I think that would be a great idea. We can look into it because this isn't till October. So that gives us plenty of time to find out if she'd like to come down or call in. That's right. And and also consider um, perhaps even having a book club meeting at Mutiny Radio where people can discuss it. 
Yeah. That would be lovely. Yeah. I hey, would love man. that. I would absolutely hey, love that. We're reading another cool book in September. I just want to plug it now because Arne Dottie Roy wrote a wonderful book 21 years ago. It came out in the U.S., The God of Small Things. Mm. And people were waiting, waiting, waiting for her new novel. It came out last year. And... um. The Ministry of Utmost Happiness. We will be reading that in September. And I haven't found a venue yet. If Mutiny is interested, she is an activist, a historian. Um, She watches out on all the social issues that pertain to um, the environment and India and women's issues and and LBT. TQ issues and that's what this book is about the ministry of utmost happiness it is about taking every issue in India and making it pertinent to all of us some people question is if there is anything that could be called happiness in these times but that's what her book covers also i'm excited about it the ministry of utmost happiness we're reading it in september arundati roy here in the um, city, here in the, in the bay, you don't um, know. I don't know. She, but this other sister she is often seen on Free Speech TV. I hear a lot. Oh yeah, I know her. I hear a lot. She's good. Well, hey, well, thank you. Aaron, thank Aaron you. Let's try to find this lady, and because for the book club, people who are near and near enough can come in here, and people who can't can listen to it on their uh, laptop or something. That'll be perfect. That'll be wonderful. And now. Thank you for that invitation. I think that would be fun, fun, fun. And that's because to me, of course, I'm reading in books. Beautiful. Because that's what I always think of when I think of fun is reading in books and sitting still. <laughs> and playing. Well, and yeah, music that's, that's is a whole different level too. of fun. Yeah, you know, being a, I do it with a musical backup. Well, I have to say myself. Yeah, I, I hum to myself when I read. I, well, for myself, now that I'm 80 years old, it's not as easy as it used to be. I can read something like I can read a New Yorker, cover to cover. But books are different. Books, I have to bring my head and so on. But it's all part of the aging process. No worries. But let's go on. Hey, Val. Hey, Dave. Hey, Bloodflower. Hey. I believe we got some jamming going on with the two of you. Is that right? Sure, why not? Why not? Why There's Why not? Why it's a beautiful day in the mission this Hell day. yeah. It is a beautiful day. Dreams conquer all, and yet we forget upon waking the call of what we see fit to revisit in our watchful sleep. Supposedly a respite from our daily feats, yet the nightly insights can be so enlivening and entice us to pay attention, take notes on what is mentioned Grab a pen for reflections. Write with your eyes closed in the dark of morning before the light can blind you to all your absurd truths.
<laughs> that was lovely. That was definitely a poetry jam. That was a poetry jam. Um, it's, it's, see, the moments like these that, that really, you know, I'm glad to be back at Mutiny Radio because it's been a, been a little break. It's been a, a much-needed, healthy uh, break um, to get out of the old routines. What did they say? Um, distance lends enchantment. I like that better than absence makes the heart grow fonder. Oh, that's that's BS. <laughs> Whoever said that, they they were absent. They were missing something. Wait, distance. Distance lends enchantment. Lends enchantment. Yeah, it's a little. There's some gray area with that. Some people it works with. Some people it doesn't. No. Well, that this that little poetry jam worked here. Thank you for playing. So worth the wait. I know we're on. Uh, radio so you can't see this but i'm going to describe it to you so bloodflower's mandolin here right it's a mandolin it has this beautiful mother of pearl inlay um right at the top and then also on the front and around the edges of of the middle and ooh. some of it they cheated there's some a decal like it's not you know what i mean like it's a decal work ah, this oh. is like the real pearl and there's some here but i i like the mandala the mandala around oh. where the, the uh, resonator is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, that's what turned me on to it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's also very poetic. The resonating mandala of his mandolin. Oh, if I could only pronounce it. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> the library lady and brings love. us all challenges. <laughs> like any good teacher should. Um <laughs> What do you know the history? Like, the, what's the story behind that instrument? Well, the story is, I found it on Mission Street, and um, it's made in Vietnam for an outfit called Lark in the Morning, which used to be in the cannery. Then they moved to Valencia Street. So the reason I bought it was because it had the Lark in the Morning imprint, you know. And um, oh, thank you. And uh, you got to get like Elvis, huh? Okay. And um, don't sweat on it. Oh, no. just kidding, just kidding. Um, and it, uh, I like, I, I, I um, purchased a harmonium at Lark in the Morning years ago, and I was really happy with that. So I said, it's a little dinged up, and I got a good price on it. So I was like, why not take it and bring it home? It made me happy, and I was at a period where I kind of like needed to be a little happy. And I don't usually buy things to make myself happy, but I couldn't resist. It was so pretty. So, and it has this really nice like resonator here. So it's a little it's a little more volume to this than. And is it's I mean we're not plugged in here. We're acoustic. Is that something that actually you can plug in as well? Well, I have a, a suction cup, my uh, um, you know pickup, so I can stick that on and then just plug it in. Wow. That's amazing really cool. That's, that's really technology cool. It's just so amazing. <laughs> well, it's funny because I I don't play any um, instruments, uh, musical instruments myself. I mean, I can play you know like the drums and I can shake a tambourine and um, you know I was in the bell choir when I was in. That's not easy. Uh, that's a, a long, 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 long time takes ago. A lot of timing. You know, I had you know. I've got rhythm, but I don't, you know, play I like I don't play anything that that involves chords or notes or anything per se. Um, 
At least not anymore. So, so for me, anybody who can play music is kind of, you know, is a, is a magical being in that way. It's like, We're like it's unicorns. Like, yeah, it's 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 like a it's a godly type of type of inspiration that I'm like, wow, I'm so I'm like in awe when of uh, musicianship. So um, it's cool to be here at Mutiny Radio and have folks like yourself and and other people come down um, who do play and want to uh, share that with all of us here in this in this special room, but then also spread it around the planet all over the internet um, on mutinyradio.fm, su- such as we are. It's nice to be here. Yeah, welcome back. It's nice to be here. It's um, it's uh, always a blast. So tell us about some of the things you got going on coming up. Coming up tomorrow, Bastille Day, um, is a Little Spot Cafe on the corner of uh, 23rd and South Van Ness. We'll have spoken word. We'll have music with Time Cat, Aeon Flow, uh, Bloodflower, that's me, Global Val. You'll be there for a while, and it's going to be outside, hanging out on the corner, making some music, and just um, generally, like... You know, weaving ourselves into the fabric of the neighborhood and making some joyful noise, you know. Joyful noise. You heard it here, folks, at the Little Spot Cafe. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should call the show, Joyful Noise. If they, if they can't find joy and happiness there, I don't know where they're going to find it. <laughs> it is a really cool little spot. I like it. It's a little that's s- why they call it the Little Spot, right? It's, 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 it's a cool. cool. Spot. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. I should apologize to you. Um, I missed that. I was supposed to do a prayer, and I missed it. I showed oh, up as uh, I was better, and I showed up there at the library. You did too. Um, there is also a reading tomorrow night, at um, in in honor of Frida Kahlo. Oh yeah. At um, Alley Cat Books, I believe I'll be performing there as well. Oh, beautiful. And that's that's Saturday e- evening. Tomorrow evening, yeah. If I think it's from it's right after the a little spot thing from four to six thirty, and then at Adobe Books, I'm not sure of the name of the bands, but there's going to be some bands from India. I don't know if it's going to be like um, raga music or Bollywood or of course, but both maybe between both. But it promises to be a really good show, and that's at Adobe Books. That that starts around maybe six thirty, seven o'clock. Oh. That's wonderful and terrible together. That's wonderful and terrible together because, Dave, there's something called the Rumi Caravan happening tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, they're cool. They're, they're in uh, East Bay. They're coming all around different spots. Yeah. That's all I know, but I know they're in the East Bay tomorrow night. Wow. Okay. So they're a, a mystical um, band of, of Rumiites. Um, poets. Poets and musicians. Poets, oh. musicians, and dance. They're radical. They're I've together. Well, and a- but they are hitting different spots in yeah. California coming up. So maybe it's not only tomorrow night, but such a thing. They get the out here two every sides of, of yeah. the bay well, I think I with think Eastern really music. Wow. Because I really want to go there. I, as people know, I'm a Sufi. Actually, being born a Jew, I'm a Jewfi. Glad you said it. Well, you didn't have to say it. Why did you say it? I just thought it was the funny coincidence. <laughs> the Rumi Caravan. Oh, it is, well, it yeah. is a, well, we're going we're gonna to find it. Find it and see where they're going to be. Yeah, so it's Rumi's Caravan. They have a website, right. Rumi 
R-U-M-I, but S, rumiscaravan.com. And it says, an, an astonishing conversation of world poetry. Um, so the caravan, uh, I said, ours is not a caravan of despair. We offer live recited poetry and music performed in the ecstatic tradition in the art of Rumi, Hafiz, and other mystic poets. Right on. Wow. So, where, where, where? Where are you? Where are you? Um, let's the see. Events. It's at the, universe, the Unitarian the Church in Oakland. You know it. The library lady is full of information for us. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, now. You can at least say that on Saturdays, you guys. Oh. And right, only on my Saturday it's off. Friday, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm off tomorrow. So go for the gold. I didn't realize you had a schedule built around that. <laughs> she's only full of it on sa- Saturdays, folks, when she's not working. Um, <laughs> so, but, you're, but you're right. You're full of information at all times. Uh, the Unitarian Church I'm of sorry, Oakland. Allison, I couldn't. <laughs> Saturday. July 14th, Bastille Day, um, and it doesn't say what time. 7 p.m. at the Unitarian Church at 685 14th Street in Oakland. It's wheelchair accessible. Tickets are 15 in advance, 30 at the door. Um, you get them on brownpapertickets.com. Uh, you can, if you want more information, you can email Barry. <laughs> At madnessatthegate.com. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. It's a, it's also a benefit for the Middle East Children's Alliance. So well, then that puts the that puts the cap on it. Hence, you know, get in there. You know, actually buy a ticket. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of children in despair that need some cheering up. Oh my goodness! I you know, know right? You, youth of America, you know. We, we get, you know, the way we treat our youth is how our country ends up. You know, if we treat our youth with ignorance and disrespect, they're going to grow up and be like that, right? That's true. And that's not going to be a good world to grow up in. Okay, well, then hopefully that's not we. We is them. All right. So the we is the youth and the, the, old, the, youth and the old getting together and everybody in between. Uh, that's uh, the youth and the old happens to be, and I have at the moment here. This, and I just happen to have, he's talking about Ruby Caravan, 100 years later, with another Sufi poet, another Dervish named Hafiz. And just by chance, I have some of his poetry here. He, uh, uh, he's not Rumi, but you see the Rumi in him, but he's a lot of, I'm shaking my fist, so I'm going to read a few. And uh, so you get an idea of what uh, Hafiz is like. The Regal Coat. Joy? Is that royal garments? The, and, 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 and now every day I could wear that Regal Coat. But I so love the common man and feel for all their labor. I often paint a vast drop of compassion in my eye. That's what that's Ravis. Hundred years later it is Dervish Rumi and Ravis Ravis were Dervishes. Dervish is the uh, Dervish is the uh, 
the Farsi word, Farsi is Persian. They both have a Persia. In other words, the Sunni, Shia, the Shia, the Farsi word for doorway. In other words, the role of the dervish, the long dervish, if you so decide that that's what you want to be, it's a lifelong preoccupation to become that door between the world within and the world without, a dervish. Let me run more. This one's called Stop Being So Religious. What do sad people have in common? It seems they've all built a shrine to the past and often go there and do a strange wail and worship. What is the beginning of happiness? It is to stop being so religious. To stop being so religious like that. This book's in some of the marvels. I'll do one more, and then we add some Rumi. You can probably find some. Then we can play Rumi the music of the caravan, which is going to be tomorrow. What could be more appropriate at the Unitarian State Church in Oakland. And I believe when you get on barge, you go to downtown Oakland rather to find out, because even though I heard out, 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 I'm going to do my best to get there. One more, because now is the time. Now is the time to know that all that you do, that you do is sacred. Now, why not consider a lasting truth, truce, a lasting truce with yourself and God? Now is the time to understand that all your ideas of right and wrong were just a child's training wheels to be laid aside when you kind of, when you can finally live with veracity and love. Hafiz is a divine envoy whom the Beloved has written a holy message upon. My dear, please tell me, why do you still throw sticks at your heart and God? What is it in that sweet voice inside? What is it about that sweet voice inside that incites you to fear? Now is the time for the world to know that every thought and action is sacred. This is the time for you to deeply compute, com compute the impossibility that there is anything but grace. Now is the season to know that everything, now is the season to know that everything you do is sacred. Hafiz. The Ruby Caravan is right here already. And, uh, oh, she hasn't called yet. I don't know, but anyway, uh, so should we continue? Okay, here she is. Oh, it's hard to have a moment of soft, it's hard to it's hard to have a moment of silence on the radio um, <laughs> he knocked us all into 
Grace. Yeah, you lulled us Grace. all into roomy realm. Grace. And now we're kind of roomy. Like, well, she said so I call. Yeah. There's always room for roomy. Oh, man. There's n- After roomy, there's no room for anything else. Though that was Hafiz. Well, oh, okay. That was Hafiz. And there should be plenty of room. Yeah, he was on the... Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. The, Rumi's Caravan has a YouTube page, so um, we can uh, listen to some of the oh, things that they're up to and relieve us. Cover. Yeah, they can relieve us from the uh, necessity to say anything. Uh, yeah, uh, she's... Uh, <clears throat> But you are listening to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. Diamond Dave's here. I'm Global Val here with our friends, Bloodflower, the Library Lady, and a few other good folks around here making joyful noise. Back from my sacred journey. From Rain saying she called really hard to hear. May try back in the next hour, in the last hour. Let me see what I'm going to do. Come, come, worshiper, wanderer, lover of leaving. It doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Even if you've broken your vow a thousand times, come, come, yet again, come. Friends, welcome. Ruby's caravan has been journeying through the centuries, countless miles, to finally arrive here in Sebastopol one more time, the ninth year in a row. So welcome. (laughs) So we are about to unpack the precious treasures that the caravan has been carrying all these years. So sit back and receive these gifts. And the only thing we ask is hold the applause. Let the energy build. Let it settle into your body and build deeply. We'll do about a 50-minute set, and then we'll take a break and have some of the wonderful Persian delights that Seema Bhakti, who just... Well, that was a little bit of a live coverage of one of their events they hosted in uh, several years ago now. Um, the So Rumi's Caravan, they're going to be music and poetry uh, there. So again, tomorrow night at the um, Universalist Church of Oakland on 14th Street. Um, and maybe go check it out. All right. Oh, yeah, Dave, here's another. So Dave handed me this card earlier. Um, the Rise for Climate, Jobs, and Justice on September 8th, in the glorious month of September here in San Francisco, um, ca.riseforclimate.org. And um, here's what they have to say and what you're invited to uh, be part of. It says, will you rise with us? In California and around the world, we are at a crossroads. Will we choose a safe, healthy future where everyone benefits or will we be stuck with the status quo? In September, the eyes of the world turn here to San Francisco and the Global Climate Action Summit, where world leaders will announce their plans for our shared future. 
Our communities are rising to shape those plans for our climate, our communities, and our planet. It's an opportunity we cannot afford to miss, and we need your help. Rise for Climate Jobs and Justice is drawing upon the strengths of our movement. Indigenous people, labor, youth, people of faith, communities of color, families, and others to build a massive mobilization that demands what our communities and the planet really need. Bold, immediate action towards a just, uh, toward a just transition away from the era of false solutions and fossil fuels, towards a just, equitable, a renewable economy that protects our families, our workers, and our planet, and everyone has enough to thrive. Will you join us? September 8th, San Francisco, ca.riseforclimate.org. Well, that sounds, uh, it's a little, it's a little, I'm not sure. Well, it's a little vague. It's, yeah, like it's just a bunch of, uh, of uh, big deals who are having this conference and we're there to watch and be in a kind of an audience or when they talk about the people for climate change coming together, do they meet people like us? And they did mention, can I see the card? Is there yeah, on? yeah, I just read everything that's on it. All that in the back? Yes. Because, because they do mention indigenous people. Labor, labor, youth, people of faith, community of colors, families, and others. Well, and we, we can go to, the, I'm going to the website right now, ca.riseforclimate.org. Yeah, I tried to get it, I couldn't get um, it. So basically, they're going to be having a march on September 8th. Okay. Um, well, it should be more than a march. So, and, I and hope. The... The, the demand for real climate leadership um, requiring environmental, racial, and economic justice, uh, no new fossil fuel development, and a managed decline of existing fossil fuel production, uh, a just transition to 100% renewable energy that protects uh, workers, indigenous people, and frontline communities, well, both in these extractive industries and more broadly, and ensures families sustaining jobs with the right to unionize that are safe for people and the planet, and just an equitable resiliency and recovery efforts led by the communities most impacted. Um, well, time will tell. As we begin to read, read between the lines, as we have to see who they are, and I, I definitely uh, try to invite them here. Well, let's invite them here so we can see yeah. how this is going to be organized. Is it from the bottom up? Is it the people? Or is it people that hope to lead us to the promised land? You well, know what I mean? Well, apparently this is um, this is happening across the globe on September 8th. So okay. if you go to this website, ca.riseforclimate.org, um, you can click on the global map of actions uh, that are happening. So um, it's a concerted effort. Uh, to bring awareness and and some um, I, solutions uh, to some of some of our collective challenges, may emerge. It certainly sounds like a step along the way. Hey Val, if our eyes are open and our shoulders to the wheel and our nose to the grindstone, ho ho ho, we should we'll be, be becoming aware of various events that are happening, and we'll get a chance to invite them here, Val, and see where they're at and how we can construct that common thread, you know? Yeah, and I can see here that there are a number of organizations who have partnered to do this um, here in the Bay Area for the, for the San Francisco one. Yeah, 350, all, all sorts, all local... Uh, 350.org chapters, Bay Area, Riverside, San Francisco, Santa Cruz, Silicon Valley, South Bay, Los Angeles, all 350. Um, Amazon Watch, the Asian Pacific Environmental Network. There's a probably, 
there's probably about 70, I would say there's probably about 50 uh, groups on this list, um, all from the Bay Area. Um, well, this definitely sounds like interesting. I'm going to try not moving about a bit more. A 250.org has their, their, their 24-7, their, their headquarters over in Oakland. And I think I'll go over and call them at least and invite them by, and uh, so it goes. That's right. We could we could reach out to to all of these folks and uh, invite them to come on. So that's that's a great Let's idea. Do it. Let's do Let's it. Start with people.org, and uh, they can. Have, I think we've had them on here. So let's see mm-hmm. another step up. It seems to me that uh, another step along the way. So Val will be part of Val will be betting happy. What do you think? This is, we got bigger problems. I mean, there's no. There's no doubt there's going to be an eruption of civil war. Of course, all of us who understand activism and um, organizing, you know, we're hoping that when it happens, people who are looking for intelligent, positive solutions are the ones that can lead the direction. But for me, I'm just trying to go over to Oakland and work 37 hours a week because I need money. Okay. And... I'm in a medical unit. Might as well be some TV show, you know. On paper, I'm a licensed therapist. I don't do anything like that. I'm oh, yeah, a social okay. worker. But, I mean, I'm running around the streets of Oakland. The public offices, it's supposed to be a mental health medical social service uh-huh. union. And every, virtually every single person is dropping homeless one after another after another because their social security can't pay for somebody. Somebody takes it away. Something happened to them. And so I'm literally running out of my office rather than, you know, just sit there and type and fill out forms. And I was practically breaking down the door in the Social Security Administration, a 60-year-old African-American woman um, with significant disabilities, SSDI. And she went out, I helped her get a job because she needed some money to stay in her place. And they're battling to take her money away and she's traumatized and I was up there and it's heavy security there and I'm like you know trying to keep this one person in her house as everybody's falling out so in other words the displacement the rounds of displacement we've seen here we're seeing there big time and that's always had a large african-american population and a bigger one since san francisco dumped all their low-income people and that's the group that's the biggest group that's getting you know the ones that are not well well off enough to go to vallejo or whatever are just out in the streets can't even get a tough shed can't even get a transitional shelter and we're supposed to be giving these people medical services and they can't even get there you know, it ought to be a mobile unit. So what I'm saying is I'm trying to keep my cool and do these things. But when you start when you start looking at this war on migrants, I've been downloading Democracy Now! every day and they're filming and, you know, obviously documenting in the media all this stuff that's going on. You know, how many wars can we how many war how many wars can we have rather than just change around the structural policies we need to stabilize us which would be easy if that was the goal so yeah we so we're i'm saying that stuff's going to come one way or another we just want it to come well find that common thread and i was mentioning with the medical when we were talking about single payer 
that out of the out of the out of the colleges should come a new network to uh, a network to uh, help do what you're doing, reach out to people, a new bureaucracy, uh, uh, anti-bureaucratic bureaucracy, if you will. Uh, people who are dedicated, people who have the tools to help make things happen, and so it be. So anyway, uh, DJ, what do you have? Uh, but anyway, just to... to um, Jack Kerouac. Yeah, I've been back, o- back over beat, li- beat literature, and I always say there's more sensationalism about Kerouac, you know, the stories, his life, and all the literary establishment wrangling. But his writing was just amazing, and one thing I've noticed is also his intellect. Is incredibly high. He didn't play that up, and this is. They called him Memory Babe because of his great ability just to sit down and write what you're about to read. I knew Jack Kerouac. He was one. Of, he was one. Of, he was a fellow human being up there in North Beach back then in the late 50s, 57, 58, when uh, On the Road came out. That was 57. So Kerouac, highly intelligent human being, kind of battered as we all are. So read what you have to read, but I want to hear this. It's been a while. Right, it's a little stuff, but I mean, he was, he was just overturning and liberalizing language and writing itself, and that part amazes me. So there were a few writings he did, not that many, The Essentials of Spontaneous Prose, where he actually described his writing process. And this is the first paragraph from something called The First Word. Jack Kerouac takes a fresh look at Jack Kerouac. My position, this was probably early, mid-60s, later on. No, 50s. My position in the current American literary scene is simply that I got sick and tired of the conventional English sentence, which seemed to me so ironbound in its rules, so inadmissible with reference to the actual format of my mind as I learned to probe it in the modern spirit of Freud and Jung, comma, that I couldn't express myself through that form anymore. How many sentences do you see in current novels that say, the snow was on the ground and it was difficult for the cat to climb the hill? By the childish device of taking what was originally two short sentences, two unrelated things, and sticking a comma in with an and, these great contemporary prose craftsmen think they have labored out a sentence. As far as I can see, it is two short sentences of picturization belonging to a much longer sentence, the total picturization of which would finally say something we never heard before if the writer dared to utter it out. And this is a guy who was vilified as sloppy prose, typist, only some Neanderthal countercultural guy pounding out his story and getting on it. I mean, this just touches, he's gone on for pages with this, this just touches on the depth of his really look at literature. An amateur, I got the story column, it works in the right way, actually went to Columbia. And in fact, they, I was just reading, uh, just last night in fact, uh, about the head-to-head that he got into with Trilling who's a professor of English, Lionel Schilling, at Columbia, and they got into a head-in-head about just that. So Kerouac is still dancing to the world. We're reading him now, and not Schilling. We're reading him 
But now, not even Chili's wife, Diana Chilling. And so, yeah, so thanks for bringing them in. Thanks yeah. for adding uh, Kerouac to the mix. And another Kerouac hanging out, we hung out the, at the place in 1957 on Grand Avenue with Neil Cassidy, who he called Dean Moriarty. He sounds like he was a fun drinker, too. Was, well, he, he, was, he, was uh, he good at party time? Well, he had an alcoholic problem. But he sounds I think like we he had all fun. Did. A lot of us did. Sounds like he had fun doing that kind well, of thing, I had fun, did he? He might have had fun doing it. So I'm getting fights a couple of times. But he had fun doing it. I might have had fun doing it. But he's dead, and I have 17 years of sobriety without a drink, and here I am. So who's to say? That's great for you. Fuck yeah. That is great for me. Otherwise, it'd be an empty chair. Otherwise, it'd be an empty chair. And, and you guys would be, be able to do what you do. Well, anyways, uh, DJ, thanks for coming in. Thanks for bringing DJ in. DJ Rubble uh, from DJ Berkeley Rubble. Liberation Radio. Uh, uh, anyway, so well, are you still there? Do you still do Berkeley Liberation Radio sometimes? Uh, yeah. Um, it's semi-functional, but we're getting stuff. Beautiful. We're getting stuff out there. There's still a 10-watt. Receiver, so we're a micro radio station playing around. Oh, you're not on, 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 on the internet too. Oh, we are on well, the internet, but what I'm, but yeah, yeah, there we are on the internet. You could look it up, but what I'm saying is, it's, the planet. it's not widely distributed. There's a few of us DJs. In other words, we're keeping a holding pattern on something that makes a difference, but, and it's got me back out looking at People's Park. I go back out there, and this nonsense about that now is. The time that they're going to take over this park for student housing and because they're lying about that they're going to put housing for 100 homeless people out there that people can't argue with this and the first thing I found out is a lot of people are arguing with this and especially because it's one of the few little spots in the whole city where people can hang out people can congregate and so there's a hangout kind of mood well yeah. that's wonderful and you're, hey, you're, hey, Robert, you're welcome to bring people with you well, they say, come, and see, come to Mutiny Radio and get some idea how, how we roll. Well, that makes me say, Val, I want to mention my sponsor, who, who got, me, got me to the gathering at back. I'm talking about Organic Valley. Organic Valley, a family of farms. And you know, Val, I was driving up with the, up the coast, north of, uh, north of uh, uh, Eugene, and I saw the site with a big Organic Valley logo. What? So we pull over. What? It's after 5 o'clock, it's about 5.30. So I saw this new look at a factory, look at an office. I went and knocked on the door. I have a picture. And this tall guy comes out, young guy. And I said, I just talked to uh, the George Seaman, who's the, 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 organ, the uh, CAO of Organic Valley, an hour or so before that. And said, what's this? And it turns out they have a new, a new West Coast office and a factory where they do butter and powdered milk and it's happening on the West Coast. So Organic Valley, our sponsor, is happening. Yeah, so and they, su they support, um, I mean, it's All a, it's a large collective model um, and a very uh, successful one. And so it supports um, organic Farm farming families uh, and their and their businesses and and their livelihoods um, and have definitely been pioneers in pushing for uh, organic food, organic labeling, uh, certification, and such. Um, a, a group that formed to rise against the 
the uh, influence of big business, big agriculture, um, and have uh, have definitely proven that they have staying power. And uh, we really appreciate um, their philosophy of of working together, and we deeply appreciate uh, their uh, support of the Common Thread Collective. Here we be. And, All right, that's a good thing. Folks, other folks can be too. We have uh, we have Baby Alliance. And what, how does that work? Donations through them is a 501c3, and you can take off your taxes. Am I right about that? That's right. So Media Alliance is a local organization that's Beautiful. been around since the 1970s, and uh, they're basically a, a champion of... Um, of well, honest media and kind of a watchdog of mainstream media. And so they sponsor a lot of uh, different media projects um, around the Bay Area. And we here at Mutiny Radio are lucky to be um, one of them. And the Common Thread Collective actually has a um, its own sponsorship through the Media Alliance. So if you'd like to donate directly to the Common Thread Collective, you can go to our Facebook page and it's pinned to the top. Um, the link... Uh, to Media Alliance where you can make a donation and it is tax deductible. And, um, yeah. Or if you'd like to make a donation to the station in general, uh, you can also um, take that link and uh, make it to Mutiny Radio. And, again, it's tax deductible. Um, if you'd rather just donate to the station directly, you could like click donate here on our website. Um, but we do appreciate Media Alliance, and, and we would like to have at least the – the sponsorship and the support that goes um, for our show uh, to go through Media Alliance so that, um, that we can support them as well. And uh, anyway, that's absolutely right. That's so cool. Hey, I want to end with a poem. Okay. I opened up another one. And I think it's called Wow. Where does the real poetry come from? From the amorous, amorous, Amorous nights, from the amorous sides, in this moist dark, in this moist dark, when making love, with form or spirit. From the amorous sides, amorous, is that right? Amorous sides, in this moist dark, when making love, with form or spirit. Where does poetry live? In the eye that says, wowee, wowee, wowee. In the overpowering, felt, splendor, every sane line knows when it realizes our life dance. When, it, when every sane line knows when it realizes our life dance is only for a few magic seconds. From a few magic seconds from the heart saying, shouting, I am so damn alive! Thank you, Afis. The Ruby Caravan. I'm going to go over to, uh, to uh, the, 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 the vigil, the ice vigil soon. Anybody who wants to come down, if you see me say, I am so damn alive! Right on, Dave. And that's a great reminder out there to uh, don't, you know, to, to, to use your time in the best way possible and, and, and make joyful noise and uh, 
Try not to let all those sticks that you throw at your heart, as Hafiz said, um, stick too hard. Let them bounce off of you. Um, and one way to do that is to get together with other folks um, who are also on this endeavor. And also, it's summertime, so you should get outside and then get your vitamin D and take off your shoes and such. Um, if you're here in the city tomorrow, uh, Saturday, this is the 14th from 1 to 5 p.m., there's going to be the second Saturday garden party at the Bay Natives Nursery. That's out on Cargo Way. Um, you can access Cargo Way from 3rd Street and uh, the Bay Natives Nursery. Yeah, from 1 to 5 p.m. That's tomorrow. They do it every second Saturday. Tomorrow, there's going to be live music, rock and blues from two bands, one called Jumpstart and the other being Andy and the Twisted Twisters and probably a blues rock, whatever you want to play jam session. So you can come out and play and jam as well if you want or just chill. Um they also uh, have a bric-a-brac sale, food and refreshments, chickens and baby chicks to play with, goats next door, and of course, California native plants for your garden, fruit trees, veggie starts, and a few house plants. So um, get out there and go check out the Bay Natives Nursery and uh, have a good time with all the good folks out there. You definitely got to go next door to City Grazing and see the goats. They are super cute um and you can go say hi and go find our friend kevin kevin lash out there um who works with the goats and uh, he'll probably be at the picnic at the bay natives nursery so uh you may get a chance to go over and visit with some of the goats uh watch out for that rooster though just saying um anyhow um another thing another good summer reminder uh and so something to celebrate <clears throat> on a small scale which makes a big difference to my life um <clears throat> and it might for years as well uh is that you it's always a good time to um, plant and harvest a garden i started growing a, a bunch of vegetables in my backyard um, in february and they were kind of slow to start and then they started to boom in march and i planted a bunch more in march and in april and i am happy to report that I'm harvesting um, homegrown organic vegetables in my backyard. I'm growing tomatoes in the fog, my friends. Um, that is a miracle in and of itself. And so um, if you're living in California, especially in the Bay Area, Dave, can you not remove that, please? It's, thank you. Um, the, it's, it's never really a bad time to try your hand at becoming a green thumb. So um, all you got to do is go down to a local garden center, uh, get some organic seeds, or maybe talk to your neighbors who have a garden going on already. See if they have any seeds that they can share with you. Um, you can get organic potting soil. Um, I like to get it over at Sloat Garden Center uh, that has several locations throughout the Bay Area. And... Um, uh, you literally uh, just read the package and put the seeds in the ground and then you tend to them and don't water them too hard at first and they'll grow. And then once your, your plants are, you know, just coming out of the ground and they're little healthy green shoots that little bugs and things want to eat, go get some ladybugs and put them in your yard and the ladybugs will eat the bad bugs and you will have ladybugs and food. So, um, yeah all sorts of greens. You can grow chard, you can grow kale, you can grow lettuce, um, spinach is kind of hard for me, onions, tomatoes, carrots, uh, beets, radishes, pumpkins, all sorts of things. Tomatoes. 
I'll let you know when I those when those plants start booming because they're, they're just right on the cusp. It's going to happen. Salad. Oh, so beautiful. Well, anyway, Val, what a great way the green thumb to take us out. We've been through it. And, 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 and Val, I'm so glad to be back. And we have some amazing adventures ahead. We do. And just to remind folks, uh, we're back here at Mutiny Radio, and we're going to be doing the shows on the second and the fourth Fridays of the month. Usually we've been doing it week after week after week, but uh, you know what? It's kind of a lot to... to, to uh to do and uh, we want to keep these shows a little more concentrated so more folks can show up on any given day and we can have a good jam and a good session so second and fourth fridays here at mutiny radio 3 to 6 p.m the common thread collective also i'll be doing women's magazine on those fridays as well and with potential one-offs here and there to uh to add to the mix so happy summer get out there plant a garden harvest your garden Talk to your neighbors, join the movements, um, keep families together, and uh, work toward peace and wellness. I don't think I have anything more to say about that. I don't even have a poem to follow that. Um, But again, uh, if you want to come out to hear some more of my poetry, I'll be reading at the Little Spot Cafe tomorrow at 23rd and Folsom at 1 o'clock. Um, and then also, uh, coming up on Tuesday night, don't forget the word party, 144 Taylor at a spot called the piano fight, seven to nine thirty PM poets come out, sign up and read your poetry with an amazing hot jazz band, uh, improvising behind you. And, uh, it's a good, good time. The word party, check out the wordparty.com. I think that's what it is every third Tuesday at Piano Fight, and it's free. Drinks and food are available, but absolutely not necessary for you to purchase if you don't want to. Um, There's no cover charge, and it's always a good time. And last month was a hot, Mike was hot at the word party, so hopefully that momentum's going to keep going. Um, So yeah, uh, also if you're listening today and you're like, dang, I missed um, Common Thread Open Mic, go over to Cafe Internationals. Check it out. See uh, Check in with uh, Clyde always um, and uh, sign up and and get your open mic bit uh, out of your system for this week. But I also know that Clyde always has a running show at the Marsh Theater on Wednesday nights throughout the summer. So July and August dates. Go check out Clyde at the Marsh Theater. Always entertaining and and a wild time. So uh, congratulations to San Francisco um, on uh, electing a new mayor who grew up here, grew up poor, and has uh, proven that no matter where you come from, you can go far. Peace, y'all. Thanks so much. I'm going to end our segment here uh, with the song that I really like from Emma's Revolution, because it really brings us all together, as we are one. If all the world were peaceful now And forevermore Peaceful at the surface And peaceful at the core All the joy within my heart Would be so free to soar And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star I don't know where we're going 
But I know we're going far We can change the universe By being who we are And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star And if all the world knew justice now and forevermore Justice at the surface And justice at the core All the joy within my heart Would be so free to soar And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star I don't know where we're going, but I know we're going far. We can change the universe by being who we are. And we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. And if all the world knew freedom now and forevermore, freedom at the surface and freedom at the core, all the joy within my heart would be so free to soar and we're living on a living planet circling a living star i don't know where we're going but i know we're going far we can change the universe by being who we are and we're living on a
stepping when you're fighting fascism. Can't be no half-stepping. Do we want to whine or do we want to win? Do we want to whine or do we want to win? Moral, emotional, global pollution. You already know the real solution. But liberals, all liberals, are scared of revolution. Don't let the greedy take over. Don't let sexism recover. Don't let racism take cover. Love, love, love all your sisters and brothers. The enemy is greed. Loving unity is really what the people need. The enemy is arrogance. The enemy is greed. Loving unity is really what the people need. Join us for love and fun. Love and fun. Love and fun.
Yeah.